This is the Living Numbers Podcast. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, and I am your host, Tony Rambles. And I am back with episode eight. So, for our first number, we got to start off with 30 years, which is the maximum sentence that Chauvin, we all know who that is, could likely get. Now, after doing some reading, right, the norm would be 12 and a half, right? The state of Minnesota has set a precedent without boring you. 12 and a half years is kind of standard for someone with a with no criminal record um, for an unintentional second degree murder, okay? Now, there's something called upward departure where you can double the maximum sentencing. So, Chauvin may get 30 years. He may get as low as 10. And even after your sentence, most likely you serve two thirds of that sentencing and then you get out on parole to serve the rest. Now, I'm sure there are going to be some people that go, well, you know what? That's not enough. We need him to spend the rest of his life in jail, in prison locked away, throw away the key, put him in the hole, right? And I can't sit sit here and say that I'm the supreme authority on what should happen, right? There are people who get paid a lot more, whose job it is to figure out the time that this man should serve in jail, okay? I, I I can't worry about that part. The part that I feel like most people are... Our standing on is we want justice. Okay, whatever that is, bring them to the the letter of the law, just like they would do many other people who don't look like Chauvin, right? Who look closer to how I look. We just want justice. We just want answers. We just want it to be served uh, in a balanced way, right? And that's pretty much how how we feel in in my community. At least I I hope I'm speaking for us. I think so. We just want it to be just. We want it to be fair. Okay, if this was a minority, a black person or a Hispanic person or or a Muslim. okay, what type of punishment would they get? Would it be fair? Would it be just? Would it be the same as a Caucasian male? Right? That's what we're looking for. We don't want the treatment to be special. We don't want you to go out of your way. We just want to be put on an equal playing field. That's all we want. We want to be treated like human, just like everybody else. That's what we're looking for. With nobody here. Right. So hopefully. 
in two months or so, right? Because the judge needs two months to hand down the sentencing. And you know they got Chauvin in maximum security by himself because no way they would let him out into the, the general population. But in two months, we just hope that we we get the justice that we're looking for. Nothing special, nothing out of the ordinary. Just make it fair, just like you would do for any other person that doesn't look like Chauvin. Keep them on the same playing field as everybody else. Now, if it comes back, and I feel like even if he got 10 years, people would be mad. Because that means he'd be out in like six and a half. That would cause an uproar. No doubt about it. 100%. So, we'll see. There are people in positions that are paid to think about this and deliberate these things. That's just my two cents. Right? We're looking at it like a minimum of 10 and maybe a maximum of 30. That's a wide range. That is a wide range. Okay. The Chauvin train has taken off. His number has been given. And now I want to tell you a story. So, my wife is pregnant. We're due June 27th. Baby Carter is on the way. But, a few weeks ago, the number here is 12 midnight, by the way. At 12 midnight, we're sitting in the hospital, right? We had to go to the ER at about 10 o'clock in the evening. Okay, everything is okay. Just spoiler alert before people start to text and call my wife. She doesn't know I'm doing this segment, but here we go, right? So about 10 o'clock, she's like, man, I'm having shortness of breath and I'm, I'm itching all over. I'm like, uh, okay. So what you want to do? Right? Normally I'm pretty cool. I keep a level head. I don't get too excited about things that that I don't need to be excited about. Or even if things are are happening that are not good, I'm always trying to, to figure it out, right? So I'm like, all right. What you want to do? You want to go to the ER or what? So it's about 10 o'clock. Usually we are in bed by this time because we both wake up really early. She's like, yeah, I think I need to go to the ER. By this time, she's been itching all over like she had poison ivy or something. So we get in the car. We go to the ER. We go to the hospital. And they go. we go upstairs to the OBD and they run all these tests or whatnot. Um, overall, it was a bad experience. The customer service was crappy. I will not say the name of the hospital, but it just, it wasn't good, right? It seemed like people didn't know what they were doing. Communication was off. We got shifted to one one part of the hospital that we didn't need to go to. It was it was a real bad experience, right? Everything is okay, though. But at 12 midnight, here we go, back to our number. This couple comes in, and they are, like, really worried. You can see it on their faces, Their body language looks like, oh, crap. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Older couple, very old. And at this point, I had already gone up to 
to the uh, to the desk and say, you know, what's the hold up? We have been waiting for a while. And he said, uh, well, somebody came in and they're doing CPR. And, uh, you know, just just please hold on and wait, wait for us. You know, I'm sure she would understand because my wife also works at a hospital. So at this point, when this older couple comes in. And they just start, I see that they start to pray. I'm like, wow, that must be maybe the parents. And so as we're sitting here and I'm getting upset and I start to see this old couple, older couple pray because it looks like something bad has probably happened. I just start to look at my situation like, man, you know, we we're just kind of here for itching. Right. It started to put this. In perspective, because like these people, they started to cry and it's just like, oh, wow, you know, maybe our situation is not so bad. And it just changed my mood instantly. Sometimes we need to see other people's hurt and pain to put ours in perspective. Because we don't always want to hear, well, at least it's not this bad or at least it's not that bad. You kind of just want to tell those people to shut up. You're like, OK, yeah, I know I'm not dead. Right. Just can you um, I'm having a hard day. Thanks a lot. Right. We we know in our minds like things could be worse. Right. But we don't always see it like in real life. Right. You may be having a bad day, but you see somebody come in and they have no legs. You might go, dang, you know what my day ain't <laughs> My day is not going that bad. Not to say people with no legs have bad days all the time. Okay. You probably got some people out there with no legs that are doing great things. Okay. I'm just saying that when we get to see it with our own two eyes, it can change our perspective right then and there. It could change our mood. It could change what we're thinking right away. So at, at that moment, I just started to, to pray for that couple and whoever it was that was that was in the hospital, I'm just like, oh, man, let me pray for him because I have no idea. Right. So now I went from being selfish, thinking selfish, thinking about myself, how long we've been waiting. We've been shifted around the hospital. I don't know what's going on with my wife. She's feel like she's having some some real issues. I went from selfish thinking to selfless thinking where I'm like, wow, let me pray for these people. Let me pray for whoever they're crying for. And so as this older couple got up and the nurse was telling them, well, we can only have one person back here. The other person, they can't wait in the lobby. They can wait in their car if they want to, that maybe they have to go home. So you really only got one person that can go back. And I think it was a husband and a wife and their son was in the hospital. So now it's like, okay, we got to choose. Is mom going to be here or is dad going to be here? Like, what kind of choice is that? A, a bad one. A tough one, rather. And so before they go to the back, I say, hey, excuse me. What's his name? I want to pray for him. And at first they look like, like, what? Is, who is this random, random person? We're having a, a tough situation right here. You know, maybe my, my son is in the hospital and he needs CPR and they might lose him. And who is this? And so I said, I want to, I want to pray for him too. What's his name? And so they told me his name and they said, thank you. And they, they go off to the back. And so I hope 
I hope his name is Justin. I hope Justin's okay. I hope he made it. And if he didn't, I hope that, not I hope, but I know that God will give them everything that they need to continue to thrive in life, right? Because things happen, really bad things happen. But oftentimes, it's not the end. It's not the end. So, keep that perspective. Things happen in life, right? Try to keep that silver lining. Try to look at what you can do for others, and it will definitely change your mood. And bring you back to a place of thankfulness. That's going to move us here to our next thing that I'm thankful for. And that's basketball. If you've listened to my podcast multiple times, you know that there's always some sports going on here. And the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. So what I want to talk about here is who's actually... A contender. I mean, not just, oh, who's number one in the standings, who has a great record. No, 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 no. Who's real? And so my number for this segment is six. Because it actually shook out that I have three teams in the West and three teams in the East. Now, the East teams are really easy. You have the Nets. Because, obviously, you have Kevin Durant. You have James Harden, and you have Kyrie Irving, along with guys like Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris. They've got a team that can obviously go to the championship and win it all. No doubt. But of course, we have to take health into play. James Harden is out, and he pretty much runs the show. And he's been balling for years. But he really has changed his game a little bit since he got to the Nets. And people go, oh, no, man, James Harden, can he change his game? Does he have to shoot the ball the entire time? That's like, wait a second. Duh, don't y'all remember James Harden led the league in assists? And he was averaging like 11 and 12. It was something crazy. Okay, James Harden knows how to play basketball. Right? It's, It's silly when people started to bring that up, oh, can he can he not play hard in ball? Like, are you crazy? This dude can do whatever he wants on the basketball court. That's why I wish he would play more defense. He obviously has the stature, the athleticism. He just doesn't give a crap. Okay, but when you got Kyrie, KD, James Harden, and a guy like Joe Harris, and they got their they homeboy DeAndre Jordan, like, eh. How much defense do we need to play? We just need to play situational defense. That's the football term. You know, third downs and red zone. Situational defense. Can we close out quarter strong? Can we open quarter strong? And how are you in the last five minutes of games? That's the defense that they need to play. Okay? But that's the Nets. If they're healthy, and that's a big if, if they're healthy, they can do it. They can obviously go to the finals and win it all. Now, my next team in the East is the 76ers because, and this is my thing with Philly, they have two dogs, right? When we talk about all-star, all-NBA, superstar kind of players, they got two of them. 
that's a prerequisite. If you feel like you can win the championship, you got to have two dogs. And they got to have size. Okay, so they've got Joel Embiid first and foremost, who is an MVP candidate, who has really changed his style of play to get closer to the basket, even though he's pulling up from the, from the mid-range. His mid-range is, is excellent this year. right? We know he can shoot it, but his bread and butter is on the block. And when he gets to that block, there's nobody in the league, nobody, who can handle Joel Embiid. Now, Ben Simmons. Obviously, we all know Ben Simmons cannot shoot. He cannot shoot. And he refuses to do so. But he can do everything else, including make it real difficult for Kevin Durant, who's only played a handful of games this year, who is coming off injury after injury, who by the time the playoffs roll around, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be healthy enough? We don't know. But Ben Simmons, he's 6'10", 240. He's got speed. He's got power. He can make it real difficult on Kevin Durant. Now, KD is KD, so we already know what he can do. But Ben Simmons can make it real difficult, right? So, Philly's got the two dogs, and they got the shooters. They will need guys like Seth Curry to step up, guys like Cork Moss, guys like Danny Green, Dwight Howard. Those guys will definitely be needed. But if you get all NBA caliber play from the two stars and you get good shooting, Philly has a chance to go all the way and do some things. Milwaukee. Now, the Milwaukee train is a little bit different this year, and that's all because of Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is one of, if not the best defender in the league. If you don't believe me, if you don't know, go look at what other NBA players say about Drew Holiday. This guy can guard anybody. If Drew Holiday was guarding you from getting into your car and going to work, you would never go to work again. You would have to quit because you would never get in. You would have to just bury your keys in the front yard, throw them on the roof. It wouldn't even matter. That's how good Drew Holiday is. Not to mention, Drew Holiday can get buckets. Drew Holiday steps up in the playoffs. We've seen that when he had to face the Portland Trailblazers and he locked down Dame and CJ. Okay, we know what Drew Holiday is capable of. Okay, so that pushes Chris Middleton to number three where he belongs. He's he's not a number two. I'm sorry. He's not a number two. We've seen this story with him as the number two. He is a, a low-tier number two. Still a baller. Still a hooper. Gets buckets. Plays good defense. He's not a number two on a championship team. He's not. Now, is he a number three on a championship level team? We're going to see this year. 
because Drew Holiday is definitely number two. He can create offense. He can lock guys up. Okay, that would be it. Those guys, Drew Holiday has to play like at an all NBA level as well. Right, because Giannis is going to do his thing. I really wish Giannis knew how to shoot the ball. But here we are. So Budenhoser has made a ton of adjustments this year. They've been experimenting with switching with the pick and roll. They're using Giannis more as a screener so they can get him rolled into the hoop. But that is the path for the Bucks to the championship. Right? Hopefully they don't have to play they don't have to play the Nets and the Sixers. And Giannis steps up in the playoffs and Drew Holiday does what he does. Okay, you can they they're a legit a legit candidate. And of course all of these teams have to shoot well. You're not gonna shoot poorly and make it to the playoffs. Make it to the finals. You're just not. That's just not how it goes. Now, over to my three Western Conference teams. And I'm going to eliminate two right off the bat. Actually, three. Jazz? No. Sorry. I know you got the best record in the league. I know you've been shooting it well. But guess what? You got to go through two of these other teams and you got to have a big wing that can hang, and they don't. They don't have anybody that's going to make it difficult for a LeBron, for a PG, for a Kawhi, for a Luka. The Jazz, they don't have anybody that can do that on the perimeter. Donovan Mitchell, too small. We've seen Rudy Gobert neutralized in the playoffs. We've seen it. Okay, so he's going to do his thing at the rim. Can they hide him as far as on the perimeter, like scram, get him out of there? I don't know. But we've seen Utah Jazz be a really good team, get to the playoffs, and not have enough. Because they don't have the big wing that can make it hard for the other big wings in the league, like Luka. Remember what Luka did against the Clippers? When Porzingis got hurt, you know what? I'm not going to go into that. We're going to get there. Okay, bye-bye, Utah Jazz. You can have the number one seed. I don't care. Phoenix, I'm sorry. I don't see it. Okay, Chris Paul is great. Chris Paul is going to ball. As he, he always does. He's been healthy for a good two, two, three years at this point. And Chris Paul is not going to be your problem. Devin Booker... Eh, you know, he's he's going to do his thing. He can get buckets against the Jazz. But Devin Booker is not the most athletic. He's a, he's decent athletically. And that's going to cause problems on the defensive side, right? They got Mikael Bridges, but he's young. He's doing his thing, but he's young. He's a little slight. They have Cam Johnson. He's young. He can't stay in front of LeBron. He can't guard PG. He can't guard Kawhi. Okay, and Aiton, DeAndre Aiton. Ah, do I trust DeAndre Aiton in the playoffs? He just starting to really kind of turn the corner. I mean, Jay Crowder is going to be there. He's going to do his thing, but do I trust Phoenix? Do they have that 
apex predator, the number one guy that can get a bucket and possibly get a stop, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm sorry. I do not. So the number one and the number two seeds in the Western Conference, I'm sorry. I don't see it. I actually like Phoenix, but I don't see it. Sorry. Now, the Clippers, they definitely have a chance because guess what they have? They got two big wings that can score and defend. Now, some people may go, well, they had those same big wings last year and they got bounced by Denver. That is 100% correct. They have no answer for Jokic. Who who has an answer for Jokic, Jokic anyway? The Lakers, of course. But, you know, what What are we doing here? Right? The Clippers have Paul George and Kawhi. That means you're in the conversation. Now, last year, it was the first year. Chemistry is a real thing. You got to have good chemistry to take this thing all the way. Okay, you got to enjoy playing with each other. You got to play for each other. Right? You can't have a lot of bickering and whining and crying. All right, Paul George is doing his thing this year, as he should. He is a very, very good player. But do I trust Paul George in the playoffs? Do I trust Paul George in the playoffs? I'm going to have to say no. Do I trust Kawhi? 100%, yes, obviously. He chose Game 7 to have his worst game of the playoffs last year. But go back and look at the numbers. Go look at him. He hooped. So the Clippers definitely have a chance. When you got those two guys, you got a chance. You have a chance, for sure. Nuggets, sorry. Without Murray, you don't have a chance. Sorry. I like Jokic. I like Porter Jr. They've got a good team, right? They're number four in the West for a reason. But without Jamal Murray, your number one hooper hooper? No. Not happening. Now we move to number five. Of course, the Lakers, barring injury, barring health. That's my number one pick because I just don't bet against LeBron. If you haven't learned by now to not bet against LeBron, then I guess you'll never learn. Just don't bet against LeBron. Hey, they got LeBron, they got AD. And if someone has someone for one of them, they don't have someone for the other. Even the Clippers. Right, if you put Kawhi on on LeBron, right? Who's guarding AD? Don't have anybody. Uh, Ibaka, he's injured. Marcus Morris, PG, no, no, and no, heck no. That is the big problem when you start looking at okay, who matches up against the Lakers? The Suns. They got somebody to put on LeBron and AD? No, they don't. Sorry, no. The Jazz? No. The Clippers? No. The Nuggets? The Nuggets are interesting because they do have Jokic, who's a big body. And they do have Aaron Gordon, who's very good defensively. So you put him on LeBron. Now, let's get it. Let's get it right. You know, no one's going to stop LeBron. Right? Once LeBron gets it going, you know, good luck. But they have Aaron Gordon who can make it a little bit difficult. That's why they would have been interesting if they still had Murray, but they don't. Um, 
Mavericks, did they have anybody they could put on LeBron and on AD? No. Trailblazers, no. Grizzlies, no. It's like we're not even going to name the rest of these teams. That's why the Lakers have such a great chance because, number one, they got LeBron James, the best player in the league. And number two, they have a matchup nightmare in AD. Not just on offense, but defensively, he can shut people down. He can shut a team down, especially with how he patrols the paint. He can switch on the smaller guys. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you need him to do on defense. He can do it. And offensively, he is so skilled. I hope he continues to go to the basket and not fall in love with those jump shots. But that's why the Lakers are the number one contender. East or West, doesn't matter. Okay, so I got the Clippers. I've got the Lakers. And my last team is not Portland, even though I like Dame. I hope he wins a championship one day. But he won't do it with that backcourt because they're too small. Too small. And they can't guard anybody. They can't guard Kawhi, PG, LeBron, Jokic. They have nothing there for those guys. So I'm sorry, Portland, even though I like you, you don't you don't match up well. That brings me to the Mavericks. Now, they're going to have to have things break the right way. But I think they have the prerequisite guys. Luca, a big wing who can do everything, who can get you buckets in the last five minutes, who, when he tries, can make it difficult for other guys and they have Porzingis who can kind of be a, a AD light he's not as good a perimeter defender but defensively he can patrol the paint okay offensively he can do whatever he can do whatever you need him to do offensively but Porzingis has not been healthy his entire career so I can't really hang my hat on that I just can't. So they are kind of a contender because I'm so high on Luka. Luka is amazing, right? He's top five right now. I think so. With how he makes his team better, how that team can shoot. Once he gets the ball going and moving and popping the other guys and they knock those jumpers down, yeah, they can be pretty dangerous. And if they have Porzingis, somewhat healthy you see they almost eliminated the Clippers last year so those are my six contenders the Lakers are definitely number one then we got the Nets the Sixers then we got the Clippers and then the Bucks and the Mavericks are a six-ish and those are my NBA contenders. Now, like we do at the end of every episode, we have today in history. April 25th, 1917, Ella Fitzgerald, American singer, was born. Now, I am a huge fan of Ella Fitzgerald because that era of music, I just, I just love that era of music. The big band swing music, you got Ella Fitzgerald, you got you got Duke Ellington, you got Artie Shaw. Just the big band swing music where you got 
you know, 10 or 15 people. And everybody's got to be on the same page, right? Everybody has to play their part. Or this thing is not going to sound very good. So when I hear the name Ella Fitzgerald, you know, Billie Holiday, who just had a, a little biopic come out about her. I just like, I just think the music is so great. So great. So if you've never listened to Ella Fitzgerald's music, just go back and check it out. Even if you don't like it, just give it a chance. Go check it out. Go listen to it. And uh, tell me what you think. Okay. April 25th. 1938, a scene eye dog is used for the first time. Now, ain't nobody trying to be no dog catcher. If you know, you know. Uh, I don't mind dogs. I used to be scared of dogs. I remember my Auntie Vivian and Uncle Sean, they always had dogs. Like, so many dogs, five or six dogs. You're like, why do we need this many dogs? I don't understand why we have so many dogs. Always pit bulls and rottweilers. They didn't have anything else. No chihuahuas, no poodles, no uh, Labrador Rottweilers, pit bulls. Now, looking back, I'm pretty sure they was fighting these dogs. (laughs) Right? We're talking about Detroit, Michigan, right? Anything's possible. But I just, why do we have so many dogs here? They were in the basement. They were in the backyard. So, hey, you know what? First CNI dog, 1938, April 25th. So, with that being said, that is our episode for this week. Tell me what you think. Go follow me on IG at underscore Tony Rambles underscore. Share, support, like, follow, download, all of those things. And tell your buddies about this great podcast. Once again, I am your host. Tony Rambles and I'll see you in the next one.